Up and away we go with another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to it. It's our full midday couple of hours of information. And we always start it off by going right on over to our Ag Department. And Susan Littlefield is standing by with some headlines for us. It's been uh, kind of a dry one so far, Susan, and that means everyone has to be on the lookout for that spark or friction or whatever that might cause a problem. Very much so, and then good morning to everybody. You said up, up, and away, and I immediately thought of a hot air balloon for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well. um, Yeah, avoiding harvest fires. I know that just our fire department alone has had a couple combine fires in, in the last couple of days, so it's just a, a good, friendly reminder of the things to think about during this harvest season because, you know, as we all know, those combines aren't easy to come by price-wise, and you don't want to watch one of yours going up in the field or, worse yet, your field going up with. The combine. So we're going to talk about that at 1245 with the folks from the State Fire Marshal's Office. 1219, Dean Hefter will be joining us with Water Street Solutions. And then at 117, this is something new that actually this website link is brand new, just opened two days ago. The National Young Farmers Coalition has a new website and a link for folks who want to learn and start farming. So we'll talk more about that at 117. Everyone wonders, how do you get started in something like that? Now they've got new ways to just go on the Internet and find out, right? Exactly. Just <laughs> click a link and away you go. <laughs> All right. Very good, Susan. Thank you very much. And stand by. We've got Jason Jorgensen with a look at sports. Big Ten Basketball Media Day taking place today in New York City. In New York places. City? Yeah, because wow. that's where they will play the conference tournament later on this uh, year. Which is another discussion at another time. But in any case, all of the coaches are there today. And Nebraska head coach Tim Miles, he was up first. Of course, it was a tumultuous offseason for the Big Red. They had four transfers. Two of those guys were starters. They're picked to finish 13th in the league. But they got a couple of guys back in a big recruit. And we'll hear from Coach Miles about that. He was spreading sunshine this morning. <laughs> And cracking jokes. It sounds like Mr. Moose has everything he can deal with right now. That is right. So we'll get Coach Miles' comments about that. Also, we'll talk some baseball. Cubs showed some pride last night, finding a way to stay alive with a win in Game 4. Game 5 is set for tonight in Chicago. We'll see if the Dodgers can't finish the defending champs off. Also, Game 6 is set for tomorrow on Houston's the Astros, who are the top-scoring team in all of Major League Baseball throughout the season. They picked a wrong time to go cold at the plate <laughs> against the Yankees as the Yankees lead that series three games to two. Also, some NFL action to talk about tonight. Big AFC West rivalry matchup as the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, that should be a big one. Oakland hasn't been very good this year. Kansas City has been, although they were beaten last time out at home yeah. by Pittsburgh. Well, it's going to be kind of a test for KC just to see how well they can come back now. It's Bob Brogan on the business desk today. Technology and banks are leading U.S. stocks lower today. And uh, companies like Apple, for example, gave up 2.7%. Also, uh, jobless claims fall. The number of Americans collecting unemployment benefits fell last week to the lowest level in 44 years. Meanwhile, U.S. mortgage rates slipped this week, reversing two straight weekly increases. And uh, Unilever is in the uh, news. Uh, apparently, the weather in the U.S. and Europe has kind of, uh, which has buffeted them also financially and so they're kind of taking some losses there's always a storm to weather we'll have all this and more today on midday 
Hi, this is Paul Perkins. I'm with Beth Rogers, and we are getting set to do another fall in line. That's where we look for you at the elevator while you're waiting to drop off the crop. And we drop off a meal from Skeeter Barnes. We just picked up the meals from Skeeter Barnes, and we're going to be driving them to you in a nice white 2018 Chevy Silverado pickup from Pony Express Chevrolet of Gothenburg. Big thank you to Pony Express Chevrolet, Skeeter Barnes, also Fontenelle Seeds, Linda Size, and Eric Nichols, Downey Drilling Company, also Davis Energy, Doug Luther with Producers Hybrids, also Doran Post and Associates, The Schooler Company, Holders Soft Water for providing the drinks, Kelly Sells and Ag Service, Horizon Ag, and Central Valley Irrigation, and also Dustin O'Hanlon of Pioneer Seeds. We're out and about with the fall in line and headed towards some elevators in Holdridge, Loomis, and Bertrand. Be on the lookout for us in that white 2018 Chevy Silverado pickup for a fall in line. And with Paul, of course, out there delivering the food to you. This is Dirk Christensen filling in to deliver your ag weather. And it's brought to you this time around by Coolman Repair. Well, underneath this dome of high pressure, temperatures today and tomorrow are expected in central Nebraska and northern Kansas to be anywhere between 15 and 20 degrees warmer than normal. At the surface, the winds will be from the south as the low pressure approaches in here. The southerly winds will become even more strong tomorrow as the difference in air pressure increases Low pressure west, high pressure to the east, and that puts us here in the middle with you. We'll be looking for tomorrow night into Saturday for a small chance of rain and thunderstorms as a cold front tracks east. Better chances are likely to be along southern and into eastern locations of Nebraska on Saturday. And behind that front, Saturday looks to be a lot more what you would term raw with cooler temperatures, strong northwest winds, and we'll also see those passing clouds. Sunday and Monday, then, are back to sunshine. Nice, at least less wind, and seasonal temperatures. Another cold front then arriving on Monday. That'll keep the temperatures seasonably cool on in through the first half of next week. Now, in the long-term forecast, temperatures for all of Nebraska and for Kansas start at seasonal levels in the middle of next week, then warming to above normal Late next week, then through the 1st of November, things are looking pretty warm, with chances very good that there will be below normal rainfall for both Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week all the way through October 31st and the first part of November. Now, the weather factors driving the markets include the late dry harvest conditions in the Midwest and only scattered rain in central Brazil. Harvest conditions in the Midwest will be favorable for the next two days with dry weather. Showers this weekend will bring some harvest disruptions with drier conditions returning next week. To Brazil. Northern Plains harvest is progressing, and that will continue with another round of some dry, mild weather. The Delta Southeast U.S. expecting dry conditions through the end of the week. Showers over the weekend will be favorable for winter wheat. Scattered rain and thunderstorms are expected on through central Brazil on Sunday. The rain will likely not be enough to end their dry concerns, though. A wet pattern in southern Brazil will delay any further planting, however. And there will be, again, favorable corn planting condition in Argentina through the weekend where it will remain mostly dry. Now, for Nebraska today, sunny and a high of 78 to 82. Clear skies with lows in the low and middle 50s for most of the central and east. 45 to 53 in the west and tomorrow becoming partly cloudy and windy with high temperatures favoring the mid to upper 70s. As we head into this weekend, 
A slight chance of thunderstorms, windy on Saturday, lows uh, expected to be in the 60s, and lows, I'm sorry, the lows will be in the uh, probably, well, let's see, where did we misplace that? There we go, lows in the low to middle 50s is all for tonight. High temperatures reaching the upper 70s, as we mentioned, and then here's the weekend forecast. With high temperatures reaching the low 60s on Saturday, the upper 60s and low 70s on Sunday and Monday, and then we'll be looking for high temperatures at only 58 to 65 degrees for Tuesday and Wednesday. That better chance of thunderstorms comes with the windy conditions on Saturday. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. This ag weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. on the Rural Radio Network as we take a check of your midday ag news. Bruce Gorder is attending the Global Farmer Roundtable this week, an event that brings farmers from all over the world together. He caught up with Mary Boat, GFR CEO, who talks about how, although their farming practices are different, many of them face the same challenges. Number one challenge, weather, climate change, access to inputs, whether that access would be labor, um, for some capital, or actually capital was an issue called by all, but some for for payment, some in in having access to it, Uh, land use, land ownership, paying for land, uh, access to markets, some of the trade challenges that they're facing right now, and they're understanding that even if it seems like a world away, what's happening, whether it's Brexit in the UK or the, the possible disintegration, I guess is the word that's actually used of NAFTA right now between those two countries. Those issues impact everybody. Quarter continues coverage of the GFR through the end of this week. Brazilian meat packer JBS Sao Paulo shut down seven slaughterhouses in Mato Grosso do Sul after a court-ordered asset freeze affected its operations in Brazil's second largest cattle-producing state. A press res- representative said yesterday the world's largest meat packing company said in an email statement that the plants would stay closed until the matter is resolved. According to JBS Financial Statements, the case revolves around tax benefits given to the company by the state of Mato Grosso do Sul. Shares of JBS fell as much as 3.6% during the day following news of the plant closures, but bounced back to 8.15 reais, a 1.45% drop from Tuesday's close company whose owners face corruption and insider trading charges said a combined 230.64 million had been frozen by a lower court in the state and an upcoming event will showcase the university of nebraska lincoln animal science department we get more from bryce duskett with areas of study from business and communications to meet science the university of nebraska lincoln animal science department is diverse and middle and high school students interested in learning more about the University of Nebraska Animal Science Department have the opportunity to on an upcoming open house which takes place October 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. Allie Raymond, admissions coordinator for the Department of Animal Science, says it's an all-around great event to attend. So the open house is um, a great opportunity for youth and their parents or grandparents or whomever to join them um, and come to campus and Check out the animal science major and the um, all the options available to students with animal majors at the University of Nebraska. Raymond says that in addition to the academic programs which will be on display, student organizations will also have demonstrations. The equestrian team, 
Um, we'll be doing some demonstrations, the livestock judging team, as well as the horse judging team. Uh, I think the rodeo club is going to be there as well. For more information about the event, you can log on to animalscience.unl.edu. Reporting for the Horrell Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit. And finally, a new research project funded by the USDA and the Daughtery of Water for Food Global Institute at the University of Nebraska seeks to deploy unmanned aircraft or drones in search of improved crop irrigation efficiency. The funding provided by the half-million-dollar grant will be used to explore using new aerial robotic technologies to help farmers make informed decisions about managing their complex center pivot irrigations. More on that story at RuralRadio.com. With a quick check of your midday ag news, I'm Shaylee Peters. Dewey Nelson back on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with Dean Hefta. Dean is with uh, Water Street Solutions. And uh, Dean, we're trying to uh, talk to you about markets today. Hopefully you're able to hear us today and uh, give us a little up- update here as far as the market movement. Hello. And uh, Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions, are you able to hear us? D- yes, Dean, are you able to hear us? Hmm. Well, we're able to hear Dean, but uh, he apparently isn't, isn't uh, able to uh, visit with us this morning or this afternoon. We'll try again. Dean, are, are you there for markets today? All right. Sorry about that technical difficulty. Corn and wheat prices are finding buyers near the areas of significant chart support. Little has changed fundamentally. Bargain hunters are light buyers near long-term lows on the charts. Soybean prices in the middle of their recent trading range strengthen corn and wheat. Solid demand providing the modest support for the oil seed. As we've checked in on these grain markets, we pretty much have been range-bound today. Uh, we haven't fluctuated all that much. We're only in a three-cent trading range in corn. And uh, soybeans anywhere uh, maybe a two-cent trading range. The wheat trade is a little different. Uh, we're up about seven uh, cents in trading ranges in Chicago and Kansas City wheat futures at this time. We had strong export sales this morning for corn and wheat. A sale of 384,000 metric tons of soybeans to China was announced this morning, and uh, that was, uh, of course, supportive for the wheat. Last night, the overnight trade created a wave of selling in the S&P 500, which was complemented with a jump in the VIX volatility index. However, at this time, it was a supportive feature for the commodity sector, and then we saw crude oil drop 62 cents to about $51.42 a barrel. Also supportive to the grain markets has been the dollar index, the December contract, was uh, down 0.128 at 93.10. That spurred a movement in gold to over $1,287 an ounce and silver to over $17 an ounce as well. In the uh, livestock futures trade, the live cattle and feeder cattle have traded both sides of unchanged. Currently, they're on the low end of the trading range and Live cattle are 15 to 72 lower, feeder cattle trading 15 to 45 cents lower, while in the lean hog trade, 
We have been on both sides of Unchanged as well and currently are mixed. A wetter weekend is forecast in parts of the corn and soybean belt. However, in the Great Plains areas, harvest will move along very quickly for the next several days. We've had uh, pretty tremendous harvest weather, I might add, for the last few days. We saw the stock market rally 160 points yesterday to a new record of over 23,100. Currently, the Dow down 31 at 23,126. Again, sorry for the technical difficulties. Reaching Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions. Dewey Nelson reporting. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. And it's time to check sports. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the Big Ten is increasing its conference schedule to 20 games in men's basketball and 18 in women's basketball. Those changes are set to take effect next year. Conference made that announcement today before its men's basketball media days at Madison Square Garden. Now, Nebraska head coach Tim Miles was on hand today in New York. It was quite the interesting offseason for the Big Red as Nebraska had four transfers, including two starters, leave the program. But head coach Tim Miles feels after all of that said and done, this will be a closer team. More than anything, I think that galvanized us, going through those moments together, figuring out, all right, who's really in here, and why are you in, and who's out, or a college athletic career. So, you know, I don't mind if they leave, and I think that then with some of the other feeling that, oh boy, this is a... What's going on with the Huskers? It's a bad deal that actually just made us stronger and better. And that's why I really like this team. I think there's more cohesiveness. We're a stronger team. And I think we've got plenty of talent, too. The Huskers won just 12 games a year ago. They're picked to finish 13th in this year's preseason Big Ten media poll. Central Missouri has been picked to finish atop the league in the MIAA women's basketball poll by a one-point margin over defending league champion Pittsburgh State. Emporia State, who captured their fifth straight MIAA tournament championship last year, was picked third, followed by Central Oklahoma, who are in the fourth spot. UNK is picked to finish tenth. Well, the Cubs finally broke through for a win against the Dodgers in the NL Championship Series, but now they'll have to contend with ace Clayton Kershaw in Game 5. Kershaw limited Chicago to two runs over five innings in Game 1 and a 5-2 victory for the Dodgers. It's a tough matchup for the Cubs, who are averaging just 2.7 runs over nine postseason games. That includes the nine runs they scored against Washington in Game 5 of the NLDS. And the slumping Astros get a day off, trailing the Yankees 3-2 in the AL Championship team. Neither team is planning a workout today at Minute Maid Park. Houston led the majors in batting and scoring this season, but is hitting just 147 overall and has totaled just nine runs in this series. Game six is set for tomorrow night in Houston. And heading into the first match of the year with the Chiefs at home tonight, Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders are searching for a win of any kind after losing four straight for the first time in three years. Little has gone right the past month for the Raiders, who failed to score more than 17 points or gain more than 300 yards in any game during their skid. That's turned the team expected to be a Super Bowl contender into a last-place squad. Chiefs are looking to bounce back themselves after losing last week for the first time this year at home to Pittsburgh. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Clear skies tonight, lows generally in the 50s. I'm Dave Schroeder. The 2017 Cattlemen's Ball at the Lonesome River Ranch in Custer County this year raised nearly $1 million for the Fred and Pamela Buffett Cancer Center at UNMC, as well as local organizations. 90% of the proceeds went to cancer research at the Buffett Cancer Center, with the remaining 10% going to meet local health care needs. A check for $904,000 was presented to Dr. Ken Cowan, the director of the Buffett Cancer Center, on September 23rd. Local organizations received more than $90,000. Gretna officials are delaying plans to double the city's land area after Sarpy County filed a lawsuit to block the city's annexation plans. The Gretna City Council voted to delay ordinances related to annexation that would have brought in at least 2,800 people into the city. Gretna leaders say they want to maintain control of major entrances to the city from Interstate 80. The county lawsuit argues that the proposed annexation includes land not urban or suburban in character as required. Many affected property owners opposed the plan at a council meeting Tuesday night. Key Republicans from Midwest states are threatening to hold up President Trump's EPA nominations over the agency's proposal to reduce the amount of biofuels that gets mixed into gasoline and diesel. Robert Johnston, vice president of the Nebraska Soybean Association, says the EPA's plan would hurt his industry, which provides 55% of the biodiesel feedstocks. We would encourage all producers to call to call our senators to encourage them to sign on to that letter asking uh, EPA Administrator Pruitt to maintain the level. All four GOP senators from Nebraska and Iowa met with the head of the EPA Tuesday. They indicated that they got assurances of more conversation but no commitment on numbers. A mother and daughter who were convicted of embezzling more than $200,000 from a weekly Kansas newspaper have been ordered to make monthly restitution payments. The Sedgwick County Prosecutor's Office said that the thefts happened while 39-year-old Victoria Vinciguerra Johnson and 60-year-old Diane Nieces worked as office managers for the Times Sentinel newspaper in Cheney, Kansas. Kansas legislators expect to consider proposals next year to make it easier for people wrongly convicted of major crimes to win compensation from the state. Lawmakers say they expect a debate following the release last week of a 41-year-old man who spent 23 years in prison for a double murder he always said he never committed. The Innocence Project says Kansas is one of 18 states without a compensation law. Replay the game, the interview, or feature you missed by catching a podcast from the front page of KRVN.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Pagers are going off all across the listening area for rural firefighters as this time of year. Field fires and combine fires are common. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett. Fire prevention in the fields is the topic of today's conversation. And joining me in studio is Alyssa Sanders. She is a Deputy State Fire Marshal, Public Information Officer, and Fire Prevention Coordinator. Alyssa, you have some general reminders we want to talk about this time of year as people are out and about on the agriculture side of things uh, this harvest season. Remind us of some of those general fire safety reminders you have during this harvest season. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bryce. Um, First and foremost, we just want to keep in mind that personal safety is more important than property loss at the end of the day. Uh, Creating an emergency plan, fires can start from plant materials that have smoldered for anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes or more, and 
The flames don't necessarily become apparent until additional oxygen is supplied, perhaps a truck driving by or a gust of wind. Um, so that's why it's important to keep a list of the 911 addresses for each of your field locations. Prior to harvest, you'll want to make sure that your family and any farm employees have access to those. Uh, many fire departments now have GPS equipment aboard their trucks, so that is a huge time saver when the incident is called and they have a 911 address that can get them there in a timely manner. Speaking of timely, a, a fire can double in size in less than a minute. So burning embers, blown downwind can spread a fire well beyond the control of a fire extinguisher in just seconds. Uh, therefore, they recommend that you keep two ABC-type fire extinguishers um, in the truck, a smaller 10-pound unit in the cab, and a larger 20-pound extinguisher at ground level on the combine. Those should be inverted and shaken once or twice a season just to ensure that the machine vibrations don't impact, don't compact the powder inside. And a shovel to throw dirt can also be helpful. And then in case of a fire, you'll want to start off obviously calling 911, and then you can attack with an extinguisher if it's safe to do so. Um, in that event, you'll want to start from the back, the black burned area, attacking fire from areas with combustibles that can be much riskier. Do you have tips when it comes to uh, specific combine fires, Alyssa? Keep the machine clean, particularly around the engine and engine compartment. Use a high-pressure washer or compressed air to remove caked-on oil, grease, and crop residue. Coolant and oils level coolant and sorry <laughs> uh, coolant and oil levels. You'll want to check those daily. Check the pressurized oil supply line to the turbocharger for wear areas that rub and may start an oil leak. Frequently blow leaves and plant material from the engine area with a compressed air with compressed air or a portable leaf blower. Doing this at night is better than in the morning when dew can make it harder to blow the residues off. Remove plant material wrapped on any bearings or belts or other moving parts. Examine exhaust and hot bearing surfaces. Repair leaking fuel and oil hoses, fittings, and metal lines immediately. You'll want to inspect clean ledges and recessed areas near fuel tanks and lines. And prior to fueling, you'll want to wait 15 minutes to reduce the risk of spilling and volatizing and igniting. And gosh, that last one, you think of farmers and ranchers this time of year are in a hurry. I mean, the crop is ready. They, they need to get going. But your reminder is just slow down a little bit and, and, and make sure we're doing those things safely, which is a great reminder. And Alyssa, combine fires can lead to field fires as well. And in general, sparks can lead to field fires. So, so what tips do you have when it comes to preventing field fires? Um, just do a dry run of the combine or any kind of equipment you're going to have out there. Listen for worn bearings or move, any moving parts and just check for any type of overheating. That's great advice. And also this time of year, we want to remind folks of grain bin safety. Uh, people can become trapped in grain extremely quickly before they can frankly blink. And so uh, you have a couple of reminders when it comes to grain bin safety this time of year. Keep any electrical equipment and systems well-maintained. All machine guards and power takeoff guards should also be in place. Keep the area mowed and sprayed so that any hazards can be seen and taken care of. Keep any miscellaneous equipment storage around the bins to a minimum. That's just a simple fall and tripping hazard. Ladders, both attached and freestanding, should be in good condition. All augers should be protected from accidental contact. 
especially old augers, should be removed from the area as they can become very sharp. Um, never let any small children or young teens enter the area. And for sure, no smoking around the grain bins, especially around grain dust, as that is highly flammable. Yeah, certainly some great advice there. Anything else, Alyssa, you want to hit on this time of year? Of course, people are in a hurry, as we mentioned, and, and want to get that crop out, but it's just important to slow down. Anything else you want to mention here? Just if you have any questions, you can always give us a call down at the fire marshal's office. We'd be happy to talk to you. And Alyssa, is there a place where people can go if they want to learn more information about these topics and everything that has to do with the state fire marshal office? Um, sfm.nebraska.gov would be the place to look for anything like that. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa, for joining me today to discuss this important topic and, frankly, a timely topic as people are out and about in the field. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. Time for a review of livestock futures trades with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, another uh, real kind of quiet day uh, today. Uh, over the live cattle, we uh, finished uh, mixed uh back and forth all day long uh, trying to hold gains but uh, just not uh, just nothing there to, to keep us uh, on the upside and uh, we finished mixed uh, to a little bit lower and uh, uh, cutouts at noon were uh, up just slightly but uh, not really a very robust trade either haven't heard of any uh, real trade uh, of consequence out in the country uh uh, today uh, did hear some 109 uh, trade, but I don't. I think that came mostly uh, yesterday afternoon. So it uh, wasn't really much to uh, push the market with the cattle on feed report coming out tomorrow. The feeders, they were the big uh, kind of the big winners uh, uh, for the day. They uh, finished uh, on a pretty good rally late in the session uh, to close with a couple of triple digit gains. Uh, uh, can't uh, really associate too much with it, uh, uh, but uh, other than uh, some uh, short covering uh, heading into this report tomorrow. So, uh, but they uh, nice finish for the day. Uh, over in the hogs, mixed there. Cash looked about steady, uh, but we did uh, manage to close uh, mostly higher in the hogs, particularly in the front end, and. Uh, Cutouts uh, near unchanged at noon, so uh, not much to go on today. Very quiet day. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. A new online tool is going to make it easier for young producers trying to find that land to farm. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Holly Rapon butler is with the National Young Farmers Coalition. Uh, the National Young Farmers Coalition was founded in 2010 by a group of young farmers, and we've grown since then to be a national grassroots network of young farmers and ranchers. We have uh, 37 local chapters across the country uh, in 26 states that are all farmer-led, and we... Uh, on behalf of our members, do policy advocacy, network building, and we offer business services. So this tool that we've developed, um, which can be found at findingfarmland.youngfarmers.org, is meant to address the challenge of land access, which is the biggest challenge that young farmers and ranchers face. And we were very excited to partner up with Fathom Information Design, which is a, a award-winning information design firm, which means that they take 
complex issues and challenges and um, data and turn it into easy to use tools and visual um, in visual form. And so we worked with them to create a tool that is a, a calculator, essentially a mortgage calculator, but designed specifically for farmers. And this is something we didn't feel was out there uh, that in a usable format that really responded to the complex challenge of analyzing land access options and uh, assessing the finance options that were available and incorporating things like conservation easements into the consideration. So we uh, we worked with them to create this website that has a tool and case studies, and we'll be doing um, a series of workshops around it. Now, it's a free tool, isn't it, for, for producers and young farmers to be able to use? Yeah, yeah, the tool is absolutely free. Uh, there's a simple login on the site that helps us uh, just keep track of our our users. Uh, the tool project was funded by a United States Department of Agriculture grant, and so uh, as part of that, we need to do a little bit of reporting back on young, you know, the net, uh, the group of people who are using it, and and um, kind of just a little bit of basic information about demographics. Since it's been available, what type of comments or feedback have you received, Holly, from from producers that have had the opportunity to utilize this tool? Yeah, well, we we just launched yesterday. Ah, so, okay. Uh, we're very we're very excited. Uh, it's it's somewhat new, um, but we have been working with a number of partners and farmers over over the course of the last year to develop this and and get working on getting some feedback. Um, we yeah, we have we have heard things from folks that this is uh, you know it it is useful to them because it's putting everything in one place. Uh, the land access process is incredibly complicated and just one of the biggest challenges is simply understanding the universe of uh, of options that are out there, what all you should be considering. Um, and where you should be going for help. So what we've tried to do is put that all in one place um, and and to help simplify it uh, and bring all the pieces together. So so if, if farmers come to the table with um, some information, a sense of the cost of the property, um, you know, they have a, a little bit of a business plan in mind. If you'd like to check out the website, it's findingfarmland.youngfarmers.org. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. The markets needed a little bit of a spark plug today. Well, and they must have gotten it from some someplace. Let's uh, talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Was exports the main spark plug then? Yeah, I guess you could call it that. We had a 1% range in corn, which is, uh, I guess, a little louder than we've seen the last few days. But it's just quiet out here. You know, I mean, the market feels... You, you make a case one way or the other. I talk to a lot of producers, both in your area and guys I work with around the country, and everybody's, you know, making good cases for the market to rally and making good cases for it to go cheaper. I think we're at a pretty good spot here, you know, 350. I, I'd have a hard time believing the March is going to get much below this level. So any breaks get bought. I, I think that's that's kind of your level that I'd look to get long. Uh, still think right now, you know, we need to see better demand on the week over week, week over week export reports, but today we got it, you know, and that I think is, is something that we can kind of put in our hat for the long term on the bullish side. Um, 
you know, I'd like to think we have one less run, one more run down here. Uh, but again, I don't know what the down. What are you looking at? Nickel on the downside, and even the options priced through the end of uh, November aren't projecting more than a dime range. So, I think this could be a long month for you, Dewey. Search for something to talk about. I think uh, the positive side might be that these grains rallied today despite harvest pressure. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's you know. The, the main thing I'm seeing. I think the basis swings are really what's going to be more wild right now. You talked to a few folks out in your way uh, the last couple of days. It sounded like there were some, some big basis shocks to the upside for stuff that could be delivered now. And uh, I don't know if that's the case for everybody, but it sounds like moisture levels are pretty high for corn that's still in the field. And, you know, at this point, there's no reason to take it out in paper storage if you're going to have to pay to dry it down. So uh, I, I, I look for more sideways here. I think the, the harvest reports from next week are going to lag, especially out in your area, um, maybe a little more north of you, too, that uh, just, you know, there's just moisture levels too high for guys to get too excited to take it out. We are going to get rain, and the temperature is going to change. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what this crop looks like or the, the price looks like if this corn's still sitting in the field, uh, at least 50% of the crop, uh, you know, a couple of weeks from now as we get into November. Fundamentally, do things look still a little bit bearish? Oh, I mean, it's. I think the prices reflect the fundamentals right now. Um, I will say some of the outside markets like oats, which, you know, tend, a lot of people believe in it, are traded at a new high today. Uh, you have the, some of the South American markets that we like to follow for weather purposes, like coffee and, co- and cocoa. They were rallying as well, and they, they broke out and uh, kind of traded up to new recent highs. So I think there's some good news coming down the road. I, I just think we got to get through the next couple of weeks. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Go to danielsagmarketing.com for more. Dewey Nelson reporting.